the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your Toronto Raptors. Now, here are your hosts, Connor Chambers and Adam Corsair. In less than two weeks' time, the Toronto Raptors will be opening up the 2023-24 season, and we're going to do our best to preview it. Welcome to this edition of the South of the Six podcast we are part of the stadium scene tv network and joining me as always co-host mr connor chambers good evening sir a good evening to you too saya yeah man two weeks well less than two weeks incredible time flies doesn't it uh i think time flies when your expectations are low <laughs> <laughs> Time, okay. time flies in the off season, and then it just drags on during the season, doesn't it? Well, you know what it is, especially as a Toronto sports fan, and you can speak to fifty percent of what I'm about to say. Um, Blue Jays got fucking raked. Uh, there's turmoil and dysfunction in that organization right now for good reasons, um, and. They're easy to forget. So fans are trying to find something, some sort of silver lining um, to uh, to grasp onto and to cope with. Certainly isn't the Raptors. Maybe it is, but it certainly isn't in my point of view. Um, I'm no, this, this, this place is dysfunctional, man. The Raptors? Well, okay. We'll get into that. But Austin Matthews with a, what do they call it? A hat trick? Wow, I was trick? not expecting Austin Matthews chattering. Like it, that was not on my bingo card tonight. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you that right now. Straight That's up. as far as it goes. <laughs> hey, look, if you're if you're getting media attention from that, then I love hearing that. Yeah, Matthews had a opening night hat trick last night. Um, Toronto played a horrible game and still ended up managing to win the shootout. So that's good. But it was there was a lot of stuff where you're like, ah. Kind of shit, but otherwise, the fact that they got two points was good. So was it at the bank? It was. It was at the bank. Okay. Yeah. All right. Uh, the the fans for the Leafs because the tickets are so expensive for Toronto. They're like one of the most expensive tickets in in the scene. They're pretty much all suits. Mm. So the crowd level noise just is not there unless it's the playoffs. When it's the playoffs and there's more like there's still suits because the price still gets high. But there's like diehard fans that are like, I will throw away a vacation to go watch it. So I don't care. So um, during the playoffs, it it can get loud. But during the regular season, the place is it's the worst. It's one of the worst crowds. Like they're just so shit. And then you look at the Raptors, and the Raptors crowds are always like vibing and pretty good. A different, a different, you know, clientele if you want to call it that, right? With the Raptors and, and Leafs. But yeah. um, years ago, when the Raptors were shit, like perennially garbage, they would sell the season's tickets. MLSE would for the Leafs, hmm. and. The stipulation was if you wanted to buy season tickets for the Leafs, you had to buy them for the Raptors. Oh. Because you they were not selling season tickets for the Raptors at the time. Gotcha. So then that's how they were getting seats in for the Raptors games, and then they were always a little bit quieter because it was usually just guys that, you know, suits that had bought season tickets for, in this case, both. And then they go, well, I don't want to go to the Raptors game, so I'll give those away to my to my clients, to my family, to my whatever. Sure. 
right? And then that's how that generation started building up because it was like hand-me-down tickets from these suits. I don't want to fucking, I don't want to go to these. Wow. And then, and then the tickets were a little bit cheaper, obviously, compared to Leafs. And people started going to that, and then, and then that's how that built up. The more you know, mm-hmm. um, it's no surprise to me that the Leafs are top dog in Toronto. That that makes perfect sense, um, especially now that, like I said, what do you got to root for? And from my understanding, that the Toronto Maple Leafs have. Uh, a special kind of ability or a special cocktease talent when it comes to their to their fan base and they make it really exciting until they just fall off a cliff or am i wrong in my assessment uh no absolutely spot on oh okay right. <laughs> they right. uh you've, every, you've been left with year. blue balls many years yes, yes. they okay. they're they're blue and white for a reason <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bleed blue, but it's usually from the yeah. groin area, yeah. from the groin region. Yeah, <laughs> and and this team has a unique ability to um, make you feel like after the regular season. You know, you know, what I can relate this to the Dallas Cowboys. I was gonna say the Bills or the Bills, but you know, if you look at Rich, yeah, right. Good friend, friend of the, of the show, show, Rich. Yeah. Um, congratulations. Also, side note to Rich for his Texas Rangers of advancing to the American League Championship Series against the Houston Astros. Um, as play. much as it pains me as a Blue Jays fan, as a fan of Rich, we are going to cheer for the Texas Rangers all day, every day, and hopefully they can get that ring. Even so. though they listen to Creed? Go ahead. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, the the Dallas Cowboys are very similar in this regard where their fans, they have a great regular season. The fans go, oh my God, it's, it's finally the year. And then they get to the playoffs and they suck. Mm. And this is, it's the same thing with the Leafs. They just, teams, some teams have winners and some teams don't. The Leafs don't have winners. And neither do the Blue Jays. But hopefully the Leafs do this year. They, they made, they got 10 guys changed through in their team. And they, they had like 112 points last year, which was like third best record in the league pretty much. And they cycled half their team out, so... Well, it's not going to be the Raptors. Um, and maybe I've set the tone for this episode, but this can be regarded, as I mentioned, as our official season preview show. We are not recording next week. Um, it's a good thing we're not, side note, because the Bills mm-hmm. are playing. Anyways, um, we don't want to miss that. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Oh, no, wait. Are they, they're not next week, is it? Are they playing Tampa Bay next week or are they playing New England? The Bills? Mm-hmm. Mm, let me i'll pull up their schedule in the meantime for some reason i thought it was this coming thursday a week from today maybe it's the following thursday it could be hold on I think it is. Schedule. Yeah, yeah, here yeah. we go so they play um thursday october 26th oh shit Wait. that's the day <laughs> we're gonna have to make it an early show yeah Anyways. we'll make it an early show anyway we'll, we'll figure it out but that's uh, an 815 game yeah um wow the the bills have three primetime games back to back to back there's one more one o'clock game just one yeah uh incorrect they have the patriots yeah uh new year's eve at one uh, as well okay i mean that could get flexed that that will probably get flexed but the only one o'clock games are against the pats yeah yeah <laughs> both of them oh my god wow Have welcome to uh, bill's mafia yeah um anyways we are going to preview the season as best we can we're going to talk about media day and the fallout from that um you thought the blue jays 
postseason pressers were bad. Actually, I would say the Blue Jays postseason presser probably they were bad. And yeah, the fact worse. the fact that Atkins and Schneider both coming back to this team mm. is outrageous. But I digress. Yeah, it was worse. Um, we're gonna give our standings predictions the whole nine. Um, but I want to jump right into media day because mm. uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about. Actually, no, no. Let's talk about. Let's go in chronological order, or maybe this is out of chronological order. I just want to get this out of the way. Let's talk about Drew Holiday to the Celtics. Sure. Um, the, on our last episode, we talked about Dame Lillard going to Milwaukee and how that sort of changes the landscape of the East slightly. Um, I still, and I think you agreed, had Boston as the overall better team. Um, and now they just landed, traded for Drew Holiday Um Basically gave up Malcolm Brogdon and Bob Williams, plus a couple picks. Yeah, a um, 2024 first from the Warriors and a 2029 unprotected first from their own pick. Like the, Yeah, which is the only thing. All the Celtics fans here in the region, I say if there's one thing you're going to regret, it's maybe that. Maybe. Right. Um, but you smash that trade a hundred times out of a hundred when you're winning you have to do it yeah absolutely you don't worry about something that's happening six years from now Mm -hmm. um so to me the dame lillard trade to milwaukee is a more media impactful trade i feel drew holiday to the boston celtics makes them better more so than milwaukee got better what do you think yeah um I agree with that. I, I mean, I think that I think Milwaukee one was was tough. I think that Milwaukee needed a shakeup. Like clearly, that team needed a little bit more star power beside Giannis. I think it showed that Giannis can't do it on his own, and there can be a, a supplemental second scorer in Dame or just someone that can facilitate the ball to him a little bit better. Um, yes, yeah, so we have a little bit more defense. On, on that on that front, but Dame's going to give you that offense, and I feel like the rest of the team can hold it down defensively. So um, I understand the move there for them, but for the Celtics, getting Drew Holiday. Look, Malcolm, you're basically so you're replacing you know Drew Holiday with Malcolm Brogdon, like positionally. Um, obviously, Drew Holiday is a better player. Uh, Robert Williams didn't really have a place on this team anymore with Chris Haps-Porzingis coming in, mm-hmm. so like he kind of felt like the odd man out, anyways. So. For me, if you're the Celtics, like I feel you already addressed a hole there for Robert Williams, so it's not like you're left with a void. Um, the Warriors' first-round pick could be whatever. I'm, I'm still un- a little bit unsure about that, but whatever. And then yeah. your own unprotected first that might come back to bite you. Like you said, I think that first is going to be the only thing maybe down the road where you're like, uh-oh, um, this I is a top it. five. This could be a top five pick. Yeah. Uh, but that's the price you pay in a win now mode we don't know what the 2029 draft is going to look like it could have a it could have the next fucking one benny or it could have the next anthony Bennett. Like we don't know um but i think that if you're a gm i don't think anyone's going to say to the celtics wow that's that's a bad deal and but in in retrospect too i don't think anyone's going to sit there and say the blazers that they got fleeced no i think it's i think it's good for the blazers i think that um, they got good picks. They still have guys of value. They can still trade Brogdon and Williams at the deadline. They can still move a few of these guys. Like they have pieces that they can still flip um, while still keeping their fan base a little bit entertained. 
when it comes to the games and the results. I don't think they're going to be in the playoffs, but you know they can still keep games relatively close and not get blown out every night. And you know you have still some veteran guys there that can mentor some of the younger dudes on that team. So um, I think it's kind of a win-win for everybody here involved. But uh, to me, I think that cements Boston and spoiler alert for my standings as as the number one seed in the East. I, I think that that move right there locks them in for sure. I like the um, reactionary move. I, I do like yeah. because it does tell your fan base, um, the fan base of the Celtics, hey, uh, we're not going to step back and let Milwaukee take Correct. the crown before. We're, we're going to do what we can to keep this window open as much mm-hmm. as possible. And, you know, it's funny because if you recall last trade deadline, uh, again, talking to all the Celtics fans down here in the region, um, I said the Raptors shouldn't be the team trading for Pirtle. If anybody, it should have been the Celtics because Correct. they had a huge need mm-hmm. uh, for a big man. And my, you know, my buddies didn't disagree with me. It's funny that now they had too many big men, and they needed another guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and they got the guard. Now Drew Holiday to the. I wouldn't say that to the detriment of the Celtics, but they have max two years to do this. Max. And that includes this one. Mm-hmm. They got to go. They got to mm-hmm. do it because he'll start to fade. You're going to have to pay Tatum. Um, Horford probably doesn't have a lot of threat. He, in that he's, he has limited gas in yeah, that tank. Yeah. yeah. Um, Porzingis is, you know, although I do like the mood sort of made of glass, um he is yeah he has his injury concerns and you lost a lot of defensive depth and smart um i do like robert williams the player you know again injury concerns aside i do like the development of that um and i think portland is going to if they don't deal him they have a nice little player there that they can build with definitely not around but Mm -hmm. with um i just i don't i don't know i don't know what they'll do with him because they have eaten right yeah. so i don't know i don't know what they're gonna do with him um if he plays power forward minutes mm-hmm. or if he comes off the bench i think that yeah yeah more likely um mm-hmm. and the celtics still have Derek white um who's a great six man um good defensive player too to be honest yeah should, should, honestly probably should have been all defensive so yeah and they have fucking raptors legend banton <laughs> coming off the bench 20 um, plus points in yeah. the preseason Delano Benton. Uh Peyton Pritchard got paid. Um Celtics are doing their uh their team okay. Yeah. Um so good for them. I think this solidifies them as the most complete team in the Eastern Conference. Um and like I said, I think this move elevates them on a talent level overall more so than Dame does to Milwaukee. I agree. Yeah. Um, and low-key, don't sleep on the Blazers this year. I'm not going to say they're going to be world beaters, but they have draft capital and they have young talent. Sure. They have nothing to lose either. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I, I think I think they'll be. I think they'll actually be a good team, Portland. But I, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs per se, but I still think that they're going to be a good team. I just, If I'm a fan of the Portland Trail Blazers, I am encouraged with the future. You have nice trade chips coming back and the players that you mentioned, plus you drafted Scoot. You have p- 
picks to use for the future to build, and we know how valuable those NBA early uh, first-round picks are. Those are immediate uh, players for your team. In a matter of like two years, that team could be radically different, and the tone of the Western Conference could shift as a result of what they do in the draft. Sure. So they have they have a lot of opportunity, and you know it, it sucks for Dame that he had to get moved, but I think it was the best thing for the organization in order to kind of wipe that slate clean and and do a bit of a of like a reset here and and get to it back in two to three years, and you know have their shot at their window um similar to what the raptors should do but well let's talk about the raptors and let's let's shift to media day here um i will say that i was interested in watching this only because siakam has been more or less radio silent um there was again the fallout after the um dame trade that didn't go the raptors way Raptors were rumored to be in the mix well throughout, sort of like Kevin Durant last year. Um, Masai took the podium, and you know he was asked directly about the team, about the future. In fact, Grange pretty much laid it out, saying, you know, um, basically two things. One, mentioned distractions about the team and whether or not he anticipates that to be um, something that's going to inhibit them this year. And he also talked about contract players and how he's going to deal with that. Um, Messiah had some interesting responses. To me, seemed a little, uh, I don't know, an unnecessary jab. Let's just listen to what he had to say. Uh, you talk about you talk about culture. I think uh, there are new opportunities for um, new players on, for the players on the team, and uh, now uh, with a new coach, um, I think uh, the approach is going to be uh, just different uh, with our team. I think those players will approach it differently. I think um, uh, in terms of contract, we've always, I think, taken care of our players here, and we're going to see how. Um, this is going to start and play out. We have time uh, to discuss with them or uh, to uh, take whatever direction we have to take uh, with this team. But uh, we've made it clear that we want to compete, we want to play a certain way, we want to be selfless on this team, and that's what we're going to do. So that last part is what raised a lot of eyebrows for Raptors fans about playing selfless. Masai chooses his words carefully. You'll see this later on. That wasn't an accident. That wasn't something, oh, I maybe shouldn't have said that. That was deliberate. I don't disagree with him when it comes to the contracts. I think he does take care of the players on his team. I think evidence shows that those that he wants to keep, they stay. When the time is up, most of the time, with the exception of maybe Norman Powell, most of the time it works in the Raptors' favors when they're ready to move on from players. But I digress. What are your thoughts about that minute and 15 second comment from Masai? Um, bus drivers are getting a lot of work here in Toronto. <laughs> Uh, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, people being thrown under 
the proverbial bus and it's it has not been mistakes these are smart executives speaking on behalf of the state of the team and like you had mentioned this was not coincidental this was uh, intentional i i don't I don't disagree with some things. I do disagree with others. And there's other things where I feel like is better left unsaid. I think there's still a bit of an understanding of what this team is, how they're going, how they were last year and potentially how they could operate this year. I think digging up some corpses from the past may not have been the best idea here when, especially when you're trying to move on, you're trying to create, a different culture like you had mentioned or like Masai had mentioned rather. So if we're trying to do that, then let's bury the past in the past. Let's leave it there. Um, I think bringing up, you know, we were a selfish team. We need to be less selfish. But like, I, I don't think that I understand he's trying to hold people accountable, but I think you maybe do that behind closed doors and maybe don't air out your dirty laundry to others because now it becomes a talking point where you and I are discussing this on a podcast and where is, you know, where there's media coverage that of members that surround the Toronto Raptors are speaking on this and it's continuing to be spoke about may not have necessarily been the greatest approach from Masai here. Um, especially when you're trying to instill this, you know, positive new culture. And then you just kind of throw that in there. It catches players off guard. And as we had seen further down the line, it may not have given, given the best reaction from some of the players that were returning to this team from last year. It puzzles me that the question had to do more with contract years and distractions. Mm -hmm. And to your point, he sort of volunteered the selfish versus selflessness mm -hmm. or lack of selflessness that the team exhibited as a result of talking about contract years. So in the way I read it is, hey, um, we've taken care of our players. I don't necessarily think that we have a problem paying players what they're due, especially those that contribute. But if said players on contract years want a contract from this organization, they need to play less self, less, more selfless. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, um, you were there. I, yeah. I'm like, he's going to get there. Less <laughs> selfish, more selfless. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that is a jab at Pascal. I uh -huh. don't know if that's a jab at OG. I don't know that that's a jab at, Gary Trent, but it's a jab at someone or it's an insinuation or if it's, it's an, it's critical encouragement to anyone or someone specific on the team. That's what gets me is that he's basically saying, if you want to be part of this team, you have to buy into the culture and that culture is selfless basketball. Right. I can see that when it comes to someone like maybe Fred last year, who was very ball dominant, but let's not forget, they fucking offered him a contract twice, twice, once in the in the middle of the year, right, or in the beginning of the of the season. Begin, beginning, beginning, yeah. It was a low ball offer, and they were competing with Houston. 
Houston. No, no. one. No one was matching that offer. No, but at least the contract was extended. So if you're talking about play less selfish and one of the players that we saw be the most quote-unquote selfish as I contribute to being ball dominant, mm-hmm. you offered him a contract. Who are you talking about then, Masai? And I think it's appropriate that everyone is assuming Pascal. That, that, that message only goes to the leaders, right? That's not a message that is intended for, you know, the... Eighth, ninth, tenth players on the team because their impact is not nearly felt as much as the one, two, three of the team. Right. So if you're talking about selfish play, it typically stems from your top guys because they're the ones like you had mentioned are the most ball dominant. So you typically are talking about those guys. Are they are they spreading the ball out more? Are they doing whatever? The thing with Darko. And his perspective and ideology coming in is let's spread this ball around. Let's pass it a lot. Our turnovers might be higher than they were last year, but we're going to ensure that we're passing the ball. We're moving the ball as much as possible. So that was already laid out from Darko months before this comment was made. I think that the understanding going into the season was that this team was going to be a quote unquote less selfish team in stylistic terms because that's the way their offense is constructed. It's pass the ball, let's get the open guy, or, or if you know there's a double team, we're moving the ball around, we're going to find the open man, and then that's going to be it. So he has to be talking about Pascal here. And, and, and the fact is, I think Pascal got the message already from his coach and from everything else that was said, unless you think he didn't. Which in that, like talking about Masai here, which in that case then is just a little bit concerning on multiple levels. But I, I don't know. I think I think this is so strange. I think this is just a strange, strange comment to be made. They, being the media, did yes. follow up with this to Pascal and did ask him pretty much about it. The culture, selfless basketball. Here's what Pascal had to say. Uh, I mean, I think for me, I'll speak for me personally. Like, I've, I've never been a selfish player in my life. Um, always played the game the right way. Um, and, and, you know, that's from, from the first time I started playing basketball. You know, like, just I've always been a team player. Um, all the things that I do on the basketball court, you know, it's about team. And um, I've always done that, like, my whole career. Yeah, so his demeanor in this entire press, con- press conference was not the joyous, elated, jubile Pascal Siakam that we're used to. It was slumped, seemed like he didn't want to be there, seemed like something was bothering him. And I think that comment sort of, I don't want to say pushed him over the edge, but definitely rubbed him the wrong way. Handled it like a pro, for sure. Um, Said all the right things, all the cliches. You know, I'm a Toronto Raptor right now. I'm focused on this team, this organization, what I can do to help this team be better. All the cliches that you expect an athlete to to say, especially in a contract year. Um, I didn't get the vibe that he wanted to be there at that moment, or he wasn't super excited. Um for the upcoming season. Um, it just seemed off. If your boss is telling you that you're selfish at work, 
and then you're and then you're expected to <laughs> go to a room of local media that are covering your work <laughs> and to answer questions about how excited you are to be in said workplace you're probably not going to be very excited mm. right like let's put this to the average joe right i understand and, and like i said to your credit i think that pascal did a fantastic job of handling it but it's just he's what else are you going to expect from him from a demeanor perspective right right that's that's a little bit not not demoral yeah it's a bit demoralizing like your morale has gone down because your boss is telling you that you're being selfish in an organization that you've said nothing but good things about you've been nothing but complimentary you've been wanting to stay there it's the only home only organization you've known you've won a championship here you want to continue building a legacy and then you go into the season new coach um expectations you have good vibes everyone's feeling good this time of year because there's no bullshit that's going on and then you have bullshit on media day it's it's not that's not the time to be saying those things the, the time was the time to have been saying that was when the was when the raptors got bounced out of the plan mm. that was the time to have said it that was the time to have said our team is selfish our team played selfish, and we're going to look to address this in the offseason by various different avenues. And that's when you kill that narrative. You don't bring that into the next season because that's last season. So if you're bringing it up, to me, that says that's still on your mind and you don't think that it's solved. To then I add, to then which I ask, well, why the fuck is it not solved? Right. So it, it's, it's just, it's very confusing. And I feel like if, if I were Pascal too, I would be upset and confused as to maybe why this wasn't addressed to him before, or if this was addressed to him before, why this went public. I would, I, I don't blame him and I would be a little bit demoralized as well. Yeah. Masai sort of doubled down on it. Um, there's a, there's a blip, um, a quote rather from Josh Lewenberg, an article on TSN. Um, Ujiri said, we do believe in Pascal specifically talking about Pascal. We do believe in Pascal uh, but we believe that a lot of our players didn't play the right way last year, and we want to see them play the right way. I said that we were selfish. I'm not running away from that. We were selfish, and we did not play the right way. So let us see it when we play the right way. So this is, again, in response to, do you believe in Pascal Siakam? Do you believe he is someone that could carry your organization further? Do you believe he is someone that you should offer a contract to? And the response was the same. Yes, we believe in Pascal, but but we believe a lot of our players didn't play the right way. He has to be included in that, right? Because we're talking about Pascal. Why bring up selfishness if you weren't talking about the person that was asked to you about, right? So further evidence that there's this indication that Pascal Siakam played selfishly, I personally, to the untrained eye, did not see that last year and i don't know what he's referencing he being Masai, um but to me there's a reason why you're not offering him a contract there's a reason why you're not discussing a contract extension with him and there's a reason why his name has been floated out in trade rumors yeah you, you can't you can't have said that any better uh, it's 
that that's exactly the truth the problem in here lies with the fact that he's saying one thing and his actions are saying the other right Mm -hmm. so it's like what do you what do you believe i'm going to believe the actions always the actions like you know words words are like verbal diarrhea but actions speak louder than words the proverbial saying i'm always going to look to see how exactly a team is operating and, and how they're conducting their business based on what words are being spoken to appease a fan base and audience, whatever, because ultimately everybody can say whatever they want to say. And then, you know, the next day it could be completely different because the action is showing otherwise. So it's always, you always got to look to see how the actual organization is operating. And it doesn't look like they're going to be operating in a way that, that at least shows or says to the public that they want to keep Pascal Siakam. So in that breath, what do you do? What do you do? Yeah, there's a difference in response from Pascal and OG regarding, you know, future here, contract, whatever. Pascal, as I mentioned, he said, I'm under contract. I'm a Raptors player. That's what I'm focused on. I'm focused on the present. But when OG was asked the same thing, said, Straight up, I love Toronto, so I want to be here. Um, again, could just be player speak, could be cliche, but that sounds a, f- a lot more definitive than Pascal. Although, I do believe Pascal is focused on being a Raptors player, what he can do to make the Raptors team better. But it doesn't sound like there's this longing outside of earning money from a Supermax contract to stay here. I to me it sounds like he felt disrespected all summer. He probably did. And now it's his opportunity to showcase what type of player he is, not only for his pride but for his but for his bank, for his yeah. payroll. Yeah. Right? If he makes an all NBA, he's eligible for Supermax. Now he's getting Jalen Brown type numbers and he will get paid that because that's what the going market rate is. Mm-hmm. If Jalen Brown gets that, Pascal Siakam's gonna get that. So he's he, it's this is a this is a Fred Van Vliet patented bet on yourself moment where he's like okay you know what fine fuck you you think that I'm like this I'll show you I'll I'll show you how I play and then you're gonna have to pay the price for it one way or the other I'm either gone from your team talent wise or I stay and I make bank mm. either way you're fucked like I I I, I don't think like. This doesn't do the Raptors organization any good by saying this. Maybe they get a short-term gain here with Pascal playing at a level that we haven't seen yet. But this isn't the year to do this. We're not in a championship spot. Right. You're, you're not you're not motivating him to get a Larry O'Brien. This is not it. So this is a battle that I that shouldn't have been picked. Like shouldn't have been chosen. I don't quite understand really what's going on but what do we know one more question and we can move on to the to the next topic regarding media day picture two baskets okay in one basket you have Kawhi leonard danny green serge Ibaka, marcus hall fred van vliet in the other basket you have kyle lowry Norman Powell. So five against two. Those initial five are contracts that ran up. 
granted Kawhi is a special circumstance, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. you weren't going to trade him away anyway. But still, mm-hmm. contracts that you left and got nothing for, and they walked away. And the other two, you were able to trade for some assets. Good assets. Gary mm-hmm. Trent, Preston Chichua, we'll see what happens. The track record's not good in those comparisons. Okay? Having said that, what do you think is most likely to happen? Pascal walks, OG's extended. OG walks, Pascal's extended. Both are extended, both walk. If both walk, I'm jumping off a bridge. I'm never cheering for this team again. Like, Don't do that. There's just, there's just no, there's just no way that that can happen. Like, it. This goes back to my saying of asset management, right? The this is the time we've seen a failure of asset management in Fred Van Vliet. Masai discussed that. Yeah, I don't did. know if you have that queued up. And if you do, let me know. Blur like like in the in the pipeline, but he basically had said we did right by the player. I don't fucking care that you did right by the player. That does not matter to me. Hmm. What matters to me as a fan is making this team better. Congratulations. Pat on the back. You did right by the player. Maybe you're thinking about that because everyone ripped you a new one by saying you didn't do right by DeMar DeRozan. So now it's in the back of your head every time you're making a move. Because to me, that's what seems like is happening time and time and time and time and time again. Is this, oh my God, DeMar DeRozan PTSD. Right. So I, I truthfully don't care. He left our team. So did he do right by the Raptors? No. Was he obligated to? No. You were not obligated to do right by Fred Van Vliet either. Right. And it's a, and it's an understanding that we were not winning dog shit anything last year, and we're not really in a position to win. So at least try to get him to a team that was going to win. Right. That's doing right by the player. I don't I don't know. I think that I I truthfully think and and this is what I hope I think it's maybe just what I hope mm-hmm. one of them gets dealt at the deadline and then one of the and then the other one gets extended in the offseason. But if you had to choose what is most likely <sighs> no trades what is um, most likely This is this stinks mm-hmm. because you're not signing both. No, you can't so it's it. like no so it's like what do you like the, the more valuable piece here is in my opinion is siakam so if i had to choose one i don't i don't know because siakam's contract just is going to be so fucked i, I don't mm, for the for the window of this team not what you would do what do you yeah. think is going to happen i think they extend og and let pascal walk in that case how pissed off are you if you're Jakob Pertle? Oh my god, horribly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I just I just got here, bro. What's going on? What the fuck? Like yeah. yeah, well he's getting his money though too, so like you can't be that pissed off. But holy shit, man. Uh if that happens, that would be that would, heads would have to roll for that. You let Pascal and Fred Van Fleet walk for nothing. Mm. It's an awful asset management display. Here's the quote you were looking for when it comes to Messiah and Fred Van Bleet. Could we have traded Fred at the deadline? 
If that was a failure, we take responsibility for it. Sometimes it depends on opportunity and respect for the player. We respected Fred. Fred decided to go somewhere to better opportunities. It was good for him. Maybe it was good for us too. I just want to emphasize, Fred decided to go somewhere to better opportunities. To better opportunities. Is that is that what they call money these days? <laughs> better opportunities. To me, plural. That's just not money. That's circumstances. That's team. That's all the above. Better opportunities. I'm not saying he should have matched that contract. Mm-hmm. The, he shouldn't have. Besides, mm-hmm. was smart not to. But to better opportunities i don't know where you have houston i don't have them very fucking high and if they're Uh, not very high they're not a playoff team i don't disagree and if they're not a playoff team and messiah regards it as a better opportunity what does that say about your team that your team fucking stinks. That's okay. what it says about this team. Okay. Holy shit. Last thing I want to get into. This is about Dame and how aggressive or lack thereof the Raptors were in their pursuit of Dame. Um, Masai was pretty open about it, talked about it, talked about how um, there was an opportunity to get, at least in some trade aspects, younger um i think that's a good goal to have when you're running a team um but specifically um talking about in the abstract about um going after dame or going after players here's what masai had to say about that and this really really pissed me off i know everybody's looking for trades i know everybody's looking for moves i know um, trust me, the right one, when the right ones come and the right opportunities come, maybe we'll take that, those opportunities. Maybe? Maybe? It's so unserious, man. It's actually so unserious. When the right opportunities come, maybe? No, motherfucker. You should say, we will. We will take advantage of those opportunities. We will capitalize on those opportunities. Maybe? Maybe? Maybe I'll make my team better. Maybe. Maybe. Out of respect for the player, though, maybe not. <laughs> it's so unserious. It's, it's, it's just, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, I don't understand what their tr- what his angle is here. Like, there has to be something that I'm missing, but... Um, Am I reading that wrong? Am I n- hearing that wrong? No. No. He's... It, uh, look, I think that there's so much frustration right now because in, in this statement really leans into this uh, perspective that you and I share is that the Raptors don't have a direction. <laughs> Right. So that's what frustrates me. That's what frustrates me. That's what frustrates you. And that's what's frustrating a lot of Raptors fans 
is that this team doesn't have a clear direction. Are they going to compete? Are they going to rebuild? What are they doing? Nobody knows. When I say compete, I say that loosely because yeah, they're not yeah, going to win anything, you. but maybe they try. But it's it's a it's just a weird thing, and I think that's why there's so much pent-up anger and frustration from Raptors fans here is because there's no direction. I think that Raptors fans would understand totally if this team went into a rebuild, and I think that's what most fans have been clamoring for is a rebuild. So, you know, if the Raptors had won... The, when the Raptors won their championship and then everything panned out the way that it has. And, you know, maybe last year we gave it one last try. And, and you know, at the deadline, the Raptors in the head office, uh, front office, were like, you know what, we tried, we did everything we could, but it's just not going to work. And then they started making the process for a rebuild. I feel like fans would then say, you know what, Masai and Bobby and, and, and you know, front office staff, um, go do what you have to do here, right? Because you've picked a direction that's understandable to a fan that knows, you know, the game. Sure. And it's not just a fair weather fan that understands the game. But there, but statements like we might make a trade if it makes sense. Like that, like you are so undefinitive on anything that you're doing that is pissing people off it's making you lose your mind it's making me lose my mind because there's no definitive direction here and just a statement like that when you hear that you're like holy shit pick a lane man mm -hmm. pick a lane they're not picking anything and that's like that's so they they tried training for dame and then it didn't work and they're like oh i don't, I don't know what we're gonna do the fuck you should have a plan b c d all the way to z if that trade didn't work, okay, what are we going to do now? Plan B. How do we put this in action? They they don't have it. It just feels like they're lost, and it feels like they have no direction. It's really frustrating. To speak more to your point, they're not saying, "Well, maybe we'll look to make moves." That's not what was said. What was said is, if the right opportunity presents itself, maybe we'll make that move. If so, the right opportunity presents itself, it is the right opportunity, and you should always take the right opportunity. Why would you maybe not take the right opportunity? Like, uh, here's a hundred uh, bucks. You know what? Uh. I, got, I got offered. I got offered my dream job. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> you know, it like, feels right. It's like I maybe. walk into work tomorrow. All right, Adam, we're gonna bump you up to 150k a year. How do you feel about that? Maybe. <laughs> But you don't I make like, anything close to that. Yeah, I just maybe. Yeah, but I like where I am right now. You know, there was a there was a song, "More Money, More Problems." So yeah, I don't. <laughs> maybe. Fuck. Imagine coming home to I go home to Cindy. Hey, yeah, I was offered 150k. Did you take it? Nah. <laughs> Why? Didn't feel right. <laughs> I mean, it felt actually felt right, honey. But I just <laughs> I said maybe. <laughs> You think I should? Maybe? Yeah. Like, what is this? What is this maybe? This, it, oh, my God. I, I don't understand. If anything about Masai's presser at the media day was clear, is that the alleged stubbornness that we have been preaching since last season is legit. It is 100% legit. Oh, yeah. He refuses to do anything 
but compete. And a lot of people might admire that. And I get it. I get you always want to try to win and that is admirable. In a vacuum, that is an admirable quality. But when you're running a team, and as you put it, asset management, that is impossible to do every single year. For instance, one day, the Golden State Warriors will suck. It's going to happen. Oh, no way. It will happen. The San Antonio Spurs yeah. of old, everyone thought that they had a they had a run of like 20 straight years in the playoffs, and then guess what? They sucked. You know now they have generational talent on their team. Yeah. Because they chose to suck. And you know who... I'm not just saying this because it's fun. You know how long the Kings have sucked for? And now they don't. True story. You know how long the Nuggets sucked for? Just ask Masai. You know how long the Nuggets sucked for? And now they don't. They're champions. You can't compete forever. Part of running an organization, in my opinion, successfully and not sucking is to suck for the short term. Yes. To capitalize to get better for the long term. We are not in that position right now. If you try and stretch out a window that's not there, you are going to do more harm than good and you're going to suck longer than you need to because your assets diminish and the process does take just takes so much longer if you don't have the assets to turn around to younger assets to draft picks. If Pascal Siakam walks out for nothing, this this is going to be painful. Yes. Right? Because you get zero assets for that and you're like, well, f- well fuck, like we don't have two draft picks. We don't have a young guy. We don't have, like, you need those type of moves to catapult to rebuild. It has to happen. So, in fairness, and we can put a bow on it here when it comes to the media day, Bobby Webster did confirm that the team was going after Dame. This is what I was alluding to before. Mm-hmm. said you'd have to ask the Blazers in terms of um, the return and how close the Raptors were. Said you'd have to ask the Blazers. We were very aggressive. I'd say probably the biggest offer we've ever made for a player, but it's up up to them to accept it. And so I think that's, you know, you kind of never know what what tilted a deal towards you or not, but maybe time will tell. We'll find out. So if we're going to take this at face value, I have no reason to believe that Bobby Webster is full of shit when it comes to this. I do believe him when he says it's probably the most aggressive offer they've ever made. Uh, or rather the biggest offer they've ever made, which leads me to believe one of Pascal and OG was included in that. Had to be. I feel like if they were, the Blazers would have taken it based on all things that we were hearing because they were valuing OG at such a high level. But this is Webster's evaluation of the biggest so if yeah. it's the biggest offer they've ever made, that doesn't include, you know, just Grady Dick, Otto Porter. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Gary Trent, whatever. Yeah. Well, yeah. Mm-hmm. And Thad. Like, we're talking about impact players. It's got to be. It'll come out one day, I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I'm sure. But, yeah. All right. A couple of... Uh, couple topics left let's just get into predictions we 
broke down our Eastern Conference and Western Conference predictions last year. Connor and I had a running bet about the Lakers and the Kings. <laughs> Would you like to make that bet again? Um, I yeah, would. I wouldn't. I wouldn't if I were you. I would. You would like to? I have the Lakers higher than the Kings this year. Oh, let's start with the West. Go ahead. <laughs> the the Los Angeles Lakers are being incredibly disrespected. Um, Jerry, yeah. and it's evident by the fact that they can get into the playoffs and they can still create more noise than the Sacramento Queens. What are you so, talking about? Seven games against the Warriors. Sorry, who advanced and who didn't? I don't care. It's doesn't matter. Western Conference, number one, got to give respect where respect is due. This team basically was running it back. The Denver Nuggets, I have them as the number one seed. Um, I They have the greatest player in the game, Nikola Jokic. Um, Jamal Murray is a playoff performer, but he's still a really good player, and I expect... Michael Porter Jr. to step up and elevate his game. Aaron Gordon's been a really good piece with them. They, they have a good team. So, oh, yeah. Um, Phoenix Suns, number two. Uh, a full season of Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, uh, that team, and, and, you know, Bradley Beal's addition there. They're going to be a good squad. They're going to be a really good team. Um, hopefully they stay healthy for the playoffs because if one of those three go down, they're kind of in trouble. Uh Los Angeles Lakers, number three. Uh, I got the Lakers up at three. Uh, this is the year, man. Anthony Davis, um, I'm banking on his health. I'm banking on Davis. Davis is going to... Davis might be an MVP conversation. <laughs> Davis is going to be an MVP conversation. I don't know what you're laughing at. I don't know what you're, what you're stupid is laughing at. Everybody is laughing. Everybody you know listening fine, to this right man. now look, is look, look, every, let everyone Let everyone laugh, and then you can replay this when they're actually the second seed in the West. But the Lakers, I got us three. I think that's a good floor for them. Uh, Anthony Davis and LeBron James might be the best duo in the league. Holy uh, shit. Oh LeBron is God. still got it. LeBron is the man, uh, and he's the go undisputed. Even you admitted it, which is like true, so it has to be. Um, I think that they did a really good job this offseason of building out depth, <laughs> and I think at the trade deadline, they actually did a really good job last year, too. So I expect them to uh, make this team into what they need to be. Number four, uh, I have the Memphis Grizzlies. I understand John Morant. He's out for 25 games, but... Um, uh, I'm gonna let you catch your breath from Lakers. No, I'm good. Good. <laughs> I I know John Moran is out, um, and I understand Derek Rose is there still to like fill in for him and whatever. Look, the first it's the first like twenty whatever games. I do think that they'll still like stay afloat for those games even without him. They did. They actually played better last year without John Morant than they did with him in the in the lineup. Oh yeah. And this is a very talented team. So I got the Memphis Grizzlies at number four. Number five, um, I have the Oklahoma City Thunder at number five this year. I, like it. Uh, I think that this team is going to take a, a next step. I think that we are going to see, talk about MVP players, I think we're going to see Shea Yildiz Alexander in the MVP conversation as well this year. I think that he's got that ability to take that step um, and, and really cement this as his team. Uh, you got Josh Giddy will elevate himself again. Chet Holmgren 
is in his rookie year now coming in. Uh, that's a that's a long-awaited piece for Oklahoma City. Uh, you got Lou Dort in there. You have a lot of really good players on that team, and they have a million draft picks. And I think that they can maybe use some of those this season at the trade deadline if that team is kind of sitting in that four to six range. I think they might pull a trigger with a couple of rental pieces just to maybe see what they can do. So nothing too crazy on, on a trade package, but they, they have the ability to do it. Uh, number six, I have the Sacramento Kings. Um, I think that they are all offense, no defense, and I don't think they did a very good job of rectifying that this year, saying that their all offense is all offense. Like, it is it is really good offensive team, arguably one of the best offensive teams in the league. Even, even this year, I'll give them that. So if they can shore up their defense, I think they can still make some noise. I'm just a little bit leery on that that's the only thing if they can shore up that defense they'll be a top four team in the league in the west um number seven i have the golden state warriors i I want them to be in the middle here and and it's all dependent on the health of curry and clay thompson but they made a few moves this year they sent jordan pool away um we'll -hmm. see what happens with the locker room dynamic there uh and you can never count out curry if he's healthy he's, he's an impact player so uh, number eight, I have the LA Clippers. Again, this is this is this middle ground. If they're healthy, they're going to be higher than this. And if they're not healthy, they're going to be lower than this. So I kind of put them at eight because I'm like, fuck, I don't know what's really going to happen. They're a talented enough team to be higher than this mark, but health questions kind of put me in a, in a weird spot. Number nine, I have the Dallas Mavericks. Um, I think Kyrie might have some antics down the road. They missed the playoffs with him in the roster last year. I, I, I don't really know. Like, this team should be a lot better than what they are, but they just never seem to. Something's missing there. So I'm at nine. Number 10, New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, we'll see what uh, Zion and Brandon Ingram can do on that team. CJ, another season with him there. They're talented enough to make the playoffs, the playoffs or the play-in. Um, we got to see if they stay healthy. Number 11, Minnesota Timberwolves. I think they'll be on the outside looking in. Uh, I do like Anthony Edwards, and I think he's going to be a very talented player, especially in the next like, year or two. But um, Rudy Gobert fucking reeks. I hate that guy. Number 12, uh, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, I think that Portland is going to be uh, missing the play in, but I think they're still going to be an exciting team, and I think that they have the talent on the roster to capture a few games and make some noise. So, um wouldn't be surprised if they made the play-in, but I just don't think that they will. Uh, 13, I have the Houston Rockets. Uh, yeah. Number 14, I have the, I have the Utah Jazz. Um, I think they overachieved last year, and they'll kind of come back down a little bit this year. And number 15, the San Antonio Spurs. It's for sure of Wemby. Uh, I really like him as a player, and I think they'll get a few more wins, but it, it's going to take a couple years. It's still going to be a slow, painful build, but they are a scary team for the future. So um, that's my Western Conference. I got so Nuggets, Suns, Lakers, Grizzlies, Thunder, Kings, Warriors, Clippers, Mavericks, Pelicans, Timberwolves, Trailblazers, Rockets, Jazz, Spurs. So our seven through 11, exactly the same. Really? Yes. Ah. Um, we vary slightly in the beginning, and then I'm going to get a little bit more realistic than you when it comes to the Lakers. But um, I have the Phoenix Suns finishing number one. That's fair. Um, I'm assuming health, and this is not a disrespect to Denver. Um, I just think Phoenix loaded up. Sure. A little bit more. Uh, two, I had Denver. So just flip flop them where yeah, you have them. That's fair. Three, I got my Kings. 
at three. I knew it. Top three. I knew you would. Oh yeah. Ridiculous, um, ridiculous that you have him there, but that's like fine. Like the beam. East of the sack. Oh, my sack city. It's horrible. Like the beam. Stop. Like the beam. <laughs> Whoever, if you're a Sacramento fan listening to this, take take this guy to your fandom, please. Like the beam. This guy's dying for a competent team. Please take him with you. Fight the beam. Oh my god. Beast of the sack. Third. Third is third is delusional. Fight <laughs> the beam. Delusional, man. Not delusional. Not delusional. You're delusional. Not delusional. Like, like absolutely delusional. They are not finishing third. Okay. Well, uh, four. We have. We both have Memphis. I think that's fair. Five. We both have OKC. Mm-hmm. Six is where I have the Lakers. So you have the Kings at six. I have them at. I have the Lakers at six. You have the Lakers at three. I have the Kings at three. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's, that's that's such delusion, man. It's crazy. Seven, we both have the Warriors. Eight, we both have the Clippers. Nine, we both have Dallas. Ten, we both have NOLA. Eleven, we both have Minnesota. Twelve, I have Houston. Okay. Thirteen, I have Portland. Fourteen, Utah. Fifteen, San Antonio. Relatively the same, then. A couple flip-flops, but otherwise we'd pretty much have a very similar prediction on the West. Yeah, yeah. Sacramento's just going to make noise again. Um. All right. Would you like to hear my East? Yes, I was going to say you tell me what your East is like, and then we'll go from there. I have Boston at one. Mm-hmm. Um, much as it pains me, uh, the team is just loaded. I think front to back, starting rotation and bench, they are deep. They are good. They can score. All, but one can dribble with their left hand. <laughs> but I don't think that prevents them from getting out of the number one spot. I have Boston there. Two, I have Milwaukee. Uh, I'm not undervaluing the addition of Dame. I think him and Giannis on the same team, both healthy, along with Lopez, can make some noise. Middleton as well. Um, Milwaukee's going to be a good team. Don't get it twisted. Three, I have the Cavs. I liked what they did last year. I think Mitchell really is that missing piece that the team needed. They are going to be good still. Cleveland at three. Philly, four. Nick Nurse has to get his feet wet with this team. They still have Maxi. God, if there was a way to get Maxi, that's not a maybe, Masai. You make that trade. Oh, my God. I love him. Uh, I want him on the team. I yeah. Do. Want him on the team. I'm there um, for that. I don't know what's going on with Harden. I can see maybe some dysfunction along the way, him forcing his way out. Embiid, MVP. Coming Most back. fraudulent MVP in a minute, though, by the way. Uh, he had a great... I think he deserved it the year prior. Um, But yeah, I, I think they're still a good overall team. Uh, five, I had a hard time... So for you, I put Miami at five because I have the Knicks at six. 
Wow. Um, This may be high. Well, let me explain the Miami pick. I I have Miami at five because everybody knows I love Jimmy Buckets. And I never count out Jimmy Buckets. It was proof why I don't count out Jimmy Buckets. Sure. Uh, I think Tyler Hero is on a mission now after Mm -hmm. all the trade chatter. Yeah, he's gone after this season, by the way. Yeah. He's he's done. Or however long he's he's going to force his way out. Yep. I think Kyle Lowry finds his way onto Miami. I mean, sorry, onto the Raptors somehow, whether he's just released. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe he's a buyout candidate. We'll see. Or they or they trade or they trade his salary for like a with a, a second or like a few way future protected first or something like that like to get off his books for something I don't know but um, whatever just, they decide to do just to retire a raptor yeah for sure um, New York I know you hate him there's just not much competition to the East. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. This this East is very top heavy, unfortunately. Um, so sort of by default, they're gonna make the playoffs. Um, I think they're gonna do better than a play in. Uh-huh. Um, so I have them at six, seven may come as a surprise. I have Indiana. Wow. Seven. Yeah. Um, I like the youth. I think they're competitive. I think they're gonna be really fun to watch. Um, and I don't believe in the number eight team, Atlanta. Um, they prove that there's not a lot of cohesion on that team. Um, I wouldn't say dysfunction, but Trey is very ball dominant. And I think that's a detriment personally. Um, so I have Atlanta at eight, nine, Chicago, Chicago this year is, they are my Sacramento Kings of this year. They're just fun. They are a very, very fun team. I think DeRozan you know, especially in the beginning of the season, for some reason, DeRozan plays out of his fucking mind. Yeah, he does. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when he gets that break, yeah, yeah, and it's it's he puts up like forty plus points. He did what Donovan did last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. I can see. I mean, depending on what happens with Levine, I don't know. I really like Chicago. I think they're fun. Yeah. Um, ten. I have Orlando. I think Orlando finishes in front of Toronto. Mm -hmm. Um, Barely playing. Toronto, I have 11. I had them at 34 and 48. That was my record for them. We talked about it before, going over the schedule. And the reason why I have Toronto finishing that high is because the teams below them are such shit. Uh, Brooklyn is not going to be good. Ben Simmons is going to break a pinky nail. And he's going to be out for the year. Um, Washington at 13. I don't think they're good. There's really not much to talk about. The best thing about their team is now in Phoenix. Um, Charlotte at 14. I was debating whether or not to put them at 15, but Detroit just sucks. They're going to be good. They're going to be fun in a couple years. They're sort of trying to mimic the Cleveland route, but they just don't have that star yet. I still have them finishing dead last. If you have... Uh, quarrels with that and you want to put Charlotte dead last I am fine with that too I just think Detroit is just terrible so there you go there's my 1 through 15 um interesting so 
You who were your bottom? Okay, so let me just go through your bottom five, and you had, um, like I suppose, so uh, out of playoff team. teams, so you had Toronto at eleven, mm-hmm. you had Brooklyn at twelve. Mm-hmm. Who'd you have at thirteen? Washington. Washington, and then fourteen, you have Detroit. Charlotte. Charlotte, and then fifteen, Detroit. you have yeah, Detroit. If you want to flip Charlotte and Detroit, I don't care. That's it's immaterial. Um. So the only. We the only teams that we have the same, we have Boston the same at number one. We have Milwaukee the same at number two, and that's it. We have Cleveland the same at number three. Oh, okay. We have Orlando at ten. Oh, okay. Otherwise, the rest of my predictions are not the same. Okay. So, right. Boston, Milwaukee, Cleveland. I have top three. For the reasons that you had mentioned and the reasons that we talked about with, with Boston and Milwaukee anyways, I just think Cleveland is another year with that with that younger group. And I, I do, you know, they were disappointed in the playoffs last year, but I like what they have. Yes. Number four, I have the New York Knicks. Wow. Wow. You chose them over Nick Nurse. That's how bad it hurts. <laughs> I I hate the Knicks. <laughs> I, everyone understands this that watches wow. this show. I think that they are a good team. And I think that another year of Jalen Brunson with this squad, like Jalen Brunson showed that that was a massive acquisition for that team. Yeah. Julius Randle, if he can still keep what he's up to, RJ Barrett gets another year. I think that New York might look to make an acquisition at the deadline as well. I think that they could finish top four realistically. And and that's more or less just because I think that I have Philly at five. And I think that that's because there's a lot of uncertainty right now at that camp. Um, What happens with Harden? If Harden stays, then, then I would, I could be like swayed on a flip flop here with Philly and and the Knicks. I just don't think that that relationship is there. And I I don't know what's going to go down with that. So with all the uncertainty there and the fact that I do think that Nick Nurse might run some of these guys to the ground and injure them, mm-hmm. I have Philly at five. Number six, I have the Atlanta Hawks. Um, I know that you have Atlanta at eight. Yes. Um, I have them at six. And I think that this is going to be this, this is a put up or shut up year for Atlanta. Um, they have to they have to not be an eight seed or below otherwise like it's done for this for this team or for this core and they'll just do something else with Trey or something like that sure. but Trey has a legacy here too that he has to you know yes. he got traded for Luka Doncic like he has to put up so I think that he has the talent around him to do it. It's just they have to play together as a team, which is what you alluded to earlier. That's that's tough. Uh, number seven, I have the Miami Heat. Uh, I do think that they'll be in the top of the playing range. I just think that they're an older team. This is another year that they're older, and we'll see how it goes. Uh, injuries could cripple them, but I do I do like what you were mentioning with the Tyler Hero thing. You know, Jimmy Butler is a great player, but he's more of a last quarter of the season to playoffs type player sure. in my opinion like he's still very good and serviceable throughout the first three quarters of the season but he, he elevates his game when it matters but um we'll just see where they are at that point uh, i have the bulls at eight okay uh, and you had the bulls at at nine nine and i have the bulls at eight yeah um 
I'm with you on that. I think that the Bulls will be a fun team. I think that they have the talent to not to to you know be in the play in uh, and not miss out in the playoffs. So I like what they got going on there. Number nine, I have Indiana. So I did I did have them at number nine. So we're like we're not super far off on a lot of things here, but we do just have them in different spots. I think Indiana takes another step. I really like Tyrese Halliburton, and I could see a guy like Tyrese maybe making a case for most improved. Hmm. Um, even though he has been a very good player, if he can elevate his game to the level that Indiana needs to make it in the into the playoffs with the roster that they have, I think he could be in that conversation. Um, number ten, as I mentioned, Orlando Magic. Yep. Um, this is a this is one more year for Bankero, friends Franz Wagner. They have really good pieces on this team. They're a young young team. Um, I like what they have going on. Uh, maybe sprinkle in a vet in the mix at some point and maybe they make some noise in the playoffs get some experience uh number 11 i have the brooklyn nets um i think that uh brooklyn like look when you still have a guy like bridges uh cam johnson's still a good player look i think ben simmons is doo-doo ass we've been we've been talking about it but i still think that they have decent enough pieces on this team that they can make an 11 spot work number 12 i have the toronto raptors i don't believe in this team yeah one bit there's nothing to believe in them with um number 13 i have the charlotte hornets uh, i'm baking on Lamelo ball to be healthy um let's see what brandon miller can do in his first year i think this is going to be uh, an important year for brandon miller to shut up the the haters with the scoot henderson thing so should be interesting number 14 i have the detroit pistons um Kate Cunningham is going to take another step. They're, they just—they're still not complete yet, and you and I both understand. Number fifteen is Washington Wizards. I think the Washington Wizards are going to have the worst record Ooh. in the NBA. So uh, that's my take. I think Washington is horrible. So that's where I have them. I mean, it's not a huge jump. The most shocking thing is the Knicks at four for you. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Oh, look, I have to. I have to put bias aside. I get man. it. Like, if if it was up to me, I'd I'd say I'd you know I hope they don't even get top ten. Yeah. But they are a good team. I have to recognize it, and I think that another year of that team together, if they can stay healthy, will make some noise for sure. Okay. Um. So not that far off. Um. You have. Let's see. I think all the teams that we have 10 through 1 are the same just in different order. Yeah. Okay. So we have yeah, our playoffs. Yes, we have we have the bottom 5 are the same so all the teams making playoffs or play in for us are the same just in a different yeah. order. Yeah. yeah. So we both have Orlando at 10. So that's that will be the cutoff. Uh, they deserve it. They're a fun team, I guess. I mean, I'm cheering for them to make the play and I want them to get some experience. That that team's fun. I want to see what Paolo and, and Wagner can do in the playoffs. Yeah, last time they got into the playoffs, all the Raptors gentlemen swept them. So um, The DJ Augustine yeah. massive yeah. game, game one. You remember that? The game one, the the time where the Raptors tried to shake off the game one curse and couldn't to the Orlando Magic. And DJ Augustine Went off. Scott was a man possessed. Yep. Couldn't yeah. miss. Um, Brooklyn ahead of Toronto. I just see more star power in Toronto. Sure, I do too. I just see, I just see that Toronto finds more ways to lose than Brooklyn. If Toronto comes to their senses and trades Siakam, 
or OG? What's the lowest they finish? 13. Yeah, it's hard to be worse than... It's hard. I, Washington, I, like I said, I still think Washington's got the worst record okay. in the NBA. So 14 is one of, you know, Charlotte or Detroit. Yeah, pick your poison. And then also you could maybe finish worse than Charlotte or Detroit because their their trajectory is up. If yours is going to be down, then maybe you go a little bit lower than, than them for whatever reasons. Like maybe they want their teams to, to get a few more wins under their belt and then that's it. But yeah. Whereas right. if you're the Raptors and you're training those guys, you want the opposite effect. So I don't know. Quick fire. If you had to choose your championship series right now for the Larry OB, your finals. Um, I'm going to go Milwaukee versus the Lakers. Boston. Kings. You've lost your head completely. You've lost your head completely. I think, I think it's going to be, I think Milwaukee versus Lakers. I think that. Giannis has something to prove after being taken out by an eight seed. Um, it was embarrassing for him. And now that he's got Dane, he's got no more excuses. I think they got to put up. Um, Boston still has to as well. They have, they, they, their window's not going to be open for too, too much longer. Right. But I just, I think that even though I have Boston finishing ahead of them the regular season, I think that Milwaukee pulls it out. It's not going to be Boston Kings. It will probably be Boston. <laughs> I think Boston Phoenix. Um, if it if it's not if it's not Milwaukee at Lakers, I could see Milwaukee or Milwaukee Phoenix or Boston Phoenix or Boston Denver. Like I, th- I think either Boston or Milwaukee in East, and then Denver Phoenix Lakers potentially Grizzlies in the West. But yeah, I like Memphis. I like them a lot. Mm-hmm. Just Jaws got to get his head right. But there's more. There's more teams that could make it out of the West than there are that can make it out of the East. Thousand percent. I think there's only two teams that can make it out of the East, and I think there's potentially five that can make it out of the West. Unless Cleveland makes a late season push. Sure. I think Cleveland's one more year away from that, though. I I think Cleveland will be in, in serious contention next year. Mm, I don't discount Cleveland making a strong. Well, they don't really have that many assets because they all went to to Utah. But imagine Correct. if they made a, a push for OG. Hmm. we'll see all right um so there you have it not much to look forward to in terms of you know hoping for playoffs or i, I mean i hope they don't make playoffs i hope they don't scrape their way into the plane again um i will be going to the game in boston on november the 11th i want to say it is um it's a saturday I think it's part of the the uh, in-season tournament. I will be at that game. Uh, tickets weren't that bad. They're only 55 bucks. American. Not bad. Not bad at all. Yeah. I mean, the tickets are high up, but in, at the uh, TD Bank Garden, really nowhere bad to sit. But No. Um, yeah. You can't get a bad seat for a basketball game, to be honest. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to mention before we wrap it up? No, um, I, I, I like, 
I guess I want to mention, like, ultimately, both you and I cheer for the success of the Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean that we want them, you know, to win right now. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's, we're, we're not expecting too much this year. For me, a successful season is determined by the youth developing um, the first year of Darko and the players um, getting climatized to him and, and buying into his system. To me, it would be a success there. Um, seeing some different looks and maybe limiting some injuries and then dealing Pascal if they're not going to extend him. Like pick, like, like, pick a direction of what you want to do with that and don't let your assets walk for nothing. Agreed. To me, that's then a successful season, and, and you you accept that and you move on. But Yeah, I'm interested to see how Darko does develop the team. Uh, I make it a point, if people remember from the older episodes, I don't watch preseason. I don't because I think a lot is taken from preseason. I mm-hmm. take the preseason pledge. Do not overreact to anything that you see in the preseason, good or bad. Because it necessarily it doesn't matter. The only thing it really matters for are the bench players to see. Yeah, if you but have did depth. you see? Did you see Dallas Mavericks lost to Real Madrid? They lost to a soccer team, dude. They lost to a soccer team, bro. God, who cares? <laughs> they Pre-season lost pledge. to like a, like an actual soccer team. Yeah, preseason pledge. Take the pledge. Don't react. Pay attention to those bench players. Like the things that I'd be interested in seeing. A hundred percent, really. The only thing is Grady Dick. I just yeah. want to see him play. I just want to see how Grady, he plays. Grady, Precious, potentially Malachi Flynn. Yeah, yeah. Right. I like. I those are like the three guys that I would really pay. That I will probably just look at in the preseason. Otherwise, the rest of the guys don't don't care. And they're all bench. That's what I'm saying. Like yeah. bench players are the players you want to see. Correct. Um. That's how Banton was discovered, and now he's fucking on Boston. Anyways. Now he's dropping 20-plus. That's what I'm saying. Boston. It's going to be good, but don't overreact. Preseason pledge. Anyways, uh, that will do it for us. We appreciate you tuning in. Um, if you would like to offer your season predictions, tell me where, uh, how much higher you think the Kings are going to finish than third. I would love to hear that. Um, or if you want to talk about how Connor's on his mind for AD being a candidate for MVP. I'm sorry, bro. No. <laughs> that's fine bro be no. a hater no. that's okay no. that's okay but I, i'm gonna i'm gonna bookmark this conversation <laughs> all right i'm bookmarking this convo okay. and when he's in the running and when he's healthy when he's in the running you're gonna be like oh my god i look like i look like such an idiot because i was laughing at come you on. man that's crazy come on um if you like what you've heard please feel free to subscribe to the show we are on all your favorite podcatchers apple Podcasts, google Podcasts, spotify wherever you get your podcast feed we are there just hit the subscribe button and if your platform uh offers a review system a rating system please rate and review the show we appreciate it It helps us out a lot um you can get in contact with us on x at south of the six that is six spelled the letter the number six in the letters i x um, he is at Connor Chambers. I am at Adam Corsair, and we are done. Till next time. Maybe. We'll see you later. Peace. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Raptors.